Well, good afternoon. Um, I trust today brings you peace, even as there's a lot of uncertainty in the world now. And I talked about peace last week or last time I talked, and I bless you with God's peace. Today, I want to talk about a verse that very likely all of us would agree is a good thing to do. Yet we absolutely do not do what the Bible literally says in that verse. Now, my focus started out with a series of good, positive things to do, none of which do we do to the degree required in these verses. So if you've got your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is a really familiar passage if you've been around church for a while, but I want to kind of take it apart a little bit and look at it maybe from a little different way than what you're used to seeing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to look at a couple of verses. They're really short. If you want to memorize verses, these are the, these are the kind to do because they're really short. First Thessalonians 5, beginning at the 16th verse. Read, follow along, please. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. Now, please notice as you go back through this again, joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. And by the way, if you're struggling with knowing what God's will is, like what am I going to be when I grow up, you know, all those kind of things, We may not know that, but you can always know that it's God's will to give thanks in all circumstances. So if you ever find yourself saying, man, I don't know what God's will is for my life. Here you go. Do this until he gives you some more details. Do not put out the Spirit's fire ever. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. There are so many absolutes in these these few verses. And how do we do that? How can we even do one of them? If we were to do one of them all the time, how could we always do the other ones at the same time? But what I want to narrow down on today is just one verse, two words, the 17th verse that says, pray continually. That sounds so good and so right. But can we be real straightforward here? Nobody prays continually. I chose to focus on this verse because I believe if we can gain an understanding of praying continually that works for everyday life, we can also understand the rest of this wonderful and challenging passage. (coughs) Excuse me. If you get nothing else from today, here's what I hope you get. Prayer is a communication lifestyle, not a single event. Prayer is a communication lifestyle, not a single event. Look, we cannot literally do all of the things that verses 16 to 22 tells us to do and do them all of the time. I struggle with doing one of them consistently. So how do we pray continually? What does that look like functionally? 
Now, particularly if you hold to the concept of bowing your head and folding your hands and closing your eyes, how can you pray continually? Can you pray while you're talking to a customer or your boss? Uh, probably not likely. Praying while driving, really not a good idea if praying requires you to close your eyes and bow your head. Prayer is defined in the dictionary as a devout petition to God or any object of worship, spiritual communion with God in petition, thanksgiving, adoration, or confession, a formula or sequence of words used for praying. Okay, but most people's functional definition of prayer is asking God for stuff. We do most, if not all, of the talking. We try to put in some thanksgiving and praise, but most prayers, most of the time, are us asking God for things. In all of these things, including verse 17 in the passage we just looked at, we can't do those absolutes all of the time. So what then does God mean when he puts all of these in a passage together I suggest they are not to be seen as individual items of behavior done independently of each other. Now, why did I choose verse 17? Pray continually is the focus. Simply this. As we talk with God, as we interact with God, as we speak to and listen to God and are open to God's communication with us, we will be praying continually. We do whatever God says to do at the moment. We are joyful, thankful, connected with the Holy Spirit, testing everything and avoiding evil. And as we do all of those things in connection with God, we are praying always. In 1 John 5, verses 19 to 30, you can go look there later. 1 John 5, 19 to 30, Jesus said he only did what he saw and heard the Father doing. That does not mean that Jesus every moment was in direct, recognizable language communication with God. He had a two-way relationship with God while he was here on earth. He connected, speaking, and listening. This is kind of a poor example, but it's the best one I, I have in my life. Mary can call me or she can send me a text anytime. Anytime. We can talk about an issue. We can ask a question. We can get clarification about something. We can share an event. We can say, I love you. We don't talk continually, but we can. We can talk anytime about anything. And the same is true with God. We may not be consciously, literally saying, God, do this, or please come here and do that. But if that communication line is open, if we can if I can use this, if God can send me a text or give me a phone call anytime, we are praying continually because it's a lifestyle behavior, not an event. So verse 16 says, be joyful always. So I'm going to say, God, how can I be joyful when I'm so tired of being quarantined? And then he talks, I listen, I talk, he listens, we have dialogue. 
God, it's so difficult for me to not get caught up in all of the negativity these days. What should I do? And then I listen, and he talks, and I talk, and he listens. And I think about that and carry our conversation with me as I go to the next thing in life. Because prayer is a communication lifestyle, not a single isolated event. Prayer is a communication lifestyle, not a single isolated event that we go to, do, and get up from. Now, I'm not saying you have to agree or begin to do what I've suggested. I do believe that what I suggest is the only way you can literally obey and put into practice the absolute directives in this Thessalonians passage. Now, if you choose to keep prayer as a communication event where you ask God for things, then you can tune out for the next 10 minutes. If you want a few suggestions about how to develop prayer into a communication lifestyle, then hang with me. I'm going to give you six little points to help you develop a communication lifestyle with God. One thing to do is get yourself one or two spiritual advisors. I cannot emphasize how important having spiritual advisors in your life is if you're going to develop a relational communication with God. Maybe I need to say that again, just to make sure. We need to have spiritual advisors in order to develop a really functioning communication with God as a lifestyle. Learning to have relational communication with God by yourself is difficult and risky. It's difficult because you're limited in how to confirm what you actually heard as being from God. We need somebody who can say, yeah, that sounds like God. No, not so much. Let's talk about it a little bit more. It's risky because if you hear or interpret accurately, Your choices that come from what you hear can lead you to all kinds of problems. Get some spiritual advisors. I know there's not a ton of them floating around, but you can find some. A spiritual advisor can help you with the confirmation and application of what you're hearing. Any attempt in growing in your relationship with God will be greatly accelerated by having and using spiritual advisors. Another thing you can do, learn as much as you can about God's character. Now, this point might seem obvious, but it's often overlooked. The more you know about God's character and heart for you, the more likely you will be able to hear God's voice accurately when you have dialogue. Number three, learn how to read the Bible and receive rhema. A lot of times for people, reading the Bible is a thing you do in the morning, like brushing your teeth, combing your hair, and getting dressed. Sit down and you read the Bible and you read five Psalms and a proverb and a chapter in the New Testament. It's just a thing you do. Or we read it to collect information. And there's nothing wrong with getting information from the Bible, but that's not the end goal. The Bible is not a textbook to accumulate information. The Bible is a living breathing, God-breathed document that helps us to know him and how to live. 
Rhema is God's current speaking and application of a specific verse or passage to you. Out of all of the things God said in the Bible, Rhema says, here's a word for you right now. And here's what you can do to apply it. Learning how to get Rhema is an important part of relational dialogue with God. Because the Bible becomes not just a textbook or an informational um, eternal word from God. It becomes a personal communication of God's heart to your heart. And there are ways you can learn how to do that. I'm just giving you the points to consider, hey, where do I want to go with this? Another thing that will help you to develop relational connection with God and hearing God's voice is learn how to do two-way journaling. Two-way journaling is where we ask God a question, he responds, and we respond back, and so we have this dialogue with God. Two-way journaling is a significant part of working with a spiritual advisor. I won't say everybody because I don't want to say an absolute, but almost everybody I've ever worked with in terms of learning how to hear God, I've included this because it gives you and your spiritual advisor something tangible to look at to actually say, here's what I thought at the time I was getting it, and then we can evaluate it. It's really, really helpful. Once you've learned how to do it, it's just so encouraging to have some structure in how you're dialoguing with God. Now, it'll take a risk, it'll feel like a risk, and it will take risks sometimes. It's hard to write down gut kind of feelings. It's hard to share things when we're not sure even if it's God or not. Sometimes it's going to be difficult. It will almost always require discipline to do it. Few times will a, I I shouldn't say few times, few times when you start, will it be just something natural? If you develop it as a part of your lifestyle, then two-way journaling becomes fairly normal. There's a lot of things that would say don't do this, but I will tell you it's one of the best tools available to develop your personal hearing and dialogue prayer with God. Another one, this is number five. Practice talking with God and doing it in places that you don't normally do. It's good to have a place, here's where I go, and I spend time with God. But hey, we got to go to work, we got to go to the grocery store, um, all kinds of places in life. In the middle of time at work, trying to, to respond to your kids or your spouse or your own thoughts. Practice talking with God and emphasize hearing as much as speaking. I've practiced this all kinds of ways. When I was working in corporate, um, I worked in a, in, in a tower downtown and I had to drive up five levels to get to the floor that I went in on. And I made it a practice every day when I hit the gate that had the little bar that came up and I put my card in from the time I did that until I parked, I said, okay, God, what would you like me to hear about today? Is there anybody I should pray for? Somebody I should be aware of that I'm working with? It took me about two minutes and 15 seconds. Yeah, I did it a lot. Two minutes and 15 seconds from the time the gate went up until I stopped my car. I didn't hear all the time, but sometimes I did hear. On my way out, I'd get in the car and say, okay, God, how did I do today? Was I a good example for you? 
if I prayed for somebody, did, did it impact them? God, what needs to happen to go forward? So it's building time into your life. Um, I know we're not supposed to, to text uh, when we're driving anymore, but um, I've memorized scripture while I was in traffic. In Los Angeles, when you're going five kilometers an hour for a half an hour, you can do little flashcards or something. And I memorized scripture then that was related to what God had been sharing with me. So that can be helpful for you. But what I'm trying to give you examples of is build time into your life that you get used to praying dialogue with God outside of church or cell group or your own quiet times. But it's a normal part of the flow of your life. Because if you do that, then you're going to be more open to when God says, hey, pray for this person. Give them a word. What do you want me to say, God? Okay, I'll say that. Those sorts of things. It becomes normal in your life because you built it into circumstances that we traditionally in church have not said, yeah, we pray when we go to the grocery store and we're standing in line waiting to pay for our groceries because we got to be social distanced properly. The last thing, and this may be the most important thing in developing a lifestyle of prayer dialogue with God is commit to the process. Developing any relationship is a process. Any relationship is a process. We don't know somebody after we've met them. It's finding out their heart. You know, and the longer we do it, the more we know them. Hearing Sujin talk about her experience is just so stunning to me because over the the years of our relationship, it's like, that's so totally not what she would do, not what she would have. Because there's this experience of relationship. Listening to Jacob's testimony goes that's so like Jacob that he will get it and he will grab hold of it and he will pursue it and he'll be tenacious about doing that because of the long-term relationship and the kind of man that he is same thing with God we got to commit to the process find out what God's like things that make his heart happy things that God kind of just sort of shuts down or maybe he says Let's talk about that more, which is, for me, kind of God's um, cue that says, Rob, you're kind of not there yet. Let's talk about it some more, and let me see if I can help you understand things better. But commit to the process. <clears throat> Find out what, they li- what God likes, what he dislikes, how he says things, how he feels about himself, <clears throat> excuse me, and how he feels about me. What are our shared values? Now, there's some things about relationship with God that are easier than people. One of the things that's really, truly easier about relationship with God is God doesn't ever make mistakes. If there's a breakdown in my relationship with God, I know where the problem is. It's me. And I can come to God and go, okay, I'm all messed up here, God. I'm not, I don't feel like I can hear. I feel stupid when I'm talking to you. I feel like a, a million miles away, whatever. But I know the problem is me. So I can say, search my heart, God. Look inside me. Bring to my awareness what's caused the distance that I'm experiencing. In that way, it's a lot easier to have relationship with God because 
I know he's always right. But there's parts about God that are more difficult than having a relationship. Obviously, I can't see him. I can't see the physical responses. I can't, or at least I haven't yet, audibly heard the voice of God. It's a learned thing that I've done. So there's some parts about this that are easier, some parts that are harder. But you've got to commit to the process. If you have the expectation that developing a lifestyle of prayer is something you can master casually or quickly, I promise you it's not going to happen. Just like developing relationships with people where you know them when they say something, you know something's different or you know that you've really caught their heart. Prayer as a communication lifestyle requires a commitment to the process to be able to enjoy the outcome you and the outcome God wants to have. Because prayer is a communication lifestyle, not just a single event. It is an event. There are times when I go, okay, God, please come and heal my wife. But prayer is so much more because we cannot pray continually if we're sitting down with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, our hands folded, say, okay, God, this is my prayer time, as opposed to not my prayer time when I get up here and do other things. Prayer is a communication lifestyle. Pray continually. It's something that's possible for every single person in our church community. If it wasn't possible for everyone, God would not have made it a command. Amen? When he makes a command, it means we can all do it. You can do it. But it's not automatic. Far too many people only occasionally experience this type of relational connection. I end with this. God promises each one of us that we can have an ongoing, connected relationship with him. The quality of that relationship is up to us. What kind of relationship with God are you going to choose? Because you get to define the quality of the relationship. May God encourage your heart to pursue more. Because the awesome thing with God is there's always more. Now it's my privilege and delight to transfer this to Hanny to go to the next part of our sermon today. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you.